Welcome to Move Conversation Presents. We, today we have an interview with Dr. Sita Nayak, former member, Board of Governors, Medical Council of India. Dr. Nayak retired as professor and uh, head of department of immunology and uh, as dean of Sanjay Gandhi Postgraduate Institute of Medical Sciences in Lucknow. As I said, she was a former member of the Board of Governors, Medical Council of India. In fact, for about 22 years, from 1987 till her retirement in 2009, she worked at SGPGI at Lucknow. And she was involved in conceptualizing, planning and setting up the Department of Immunology. She supervised and ran this laboratory till uh, her retirement. And it continues to be among the best centers for the diagnosis of immune-mediated diseases in the country. Like we say in India, that the uh, greatness of the guru is not only uh, based on his or her achievements, but also the achievements of her students. So many of her graduates are heading departments in leading institutions like PGIMER in Chandigarh, CMC Velour, Jipmer in Puducherry, and many are working in different parts of the world in various well-known hospitals. Welcome Dr. Naik. Thank you very much. It's our honor and privilege to have you with us today. Thanks for taking time out to talk to us and explaining to us about the development of COVID-19 vaccines. Thank you, Venkat. Thank you for inviting me to be on this uh, little chat. Um, <clears throat> there is a great deal out of about it in the public domain. And a person who for a, most of her life has tried, when I entered immunology, it was a term that nobody knew about. <laughs> and my parents asked me, what the hell are you going to do? <laughs> and uh, for most of our, my life, the country didn't have any departments which provided training and the term was unknown to the layman. They said, you're a doctor, what's your specialization? And I said, I'm a clinical immunologist. What is that? What do you do? From that, COVID, if at all, if it has not, nothing else, has certainly made immunology a very well-known um, term and all aspects of it, everybody is discussing irrespective of how much they know about it. So yeah. So, so not only immunology, you, you also worked on uh, viruses, right? Hepatitis B and D viruses in yeah. North India. Yeah, I worked most, most of my life, I mean, most of my latter part of my life, I worked on um, various aspects of hepatitis viruses, especially B and E. Uh, B has a vaccine, E doesn't. So, you know, viruses are, each one of them is unique. Um, so um, I'll start by just a few sentences on immunology and vaccines. Right, so, that'll be good. Yeah, so the immune system, in fact, is the most unique system in the body. Unlike other systems, there are no specific organs which define it. They are just a set of cells which are present in every nook and corner of the body. And they are basically the defense mechanism. They have this very unique characteristic of being able to recognize self from anything that's non-self. 
So it's like the army sending, having a little forward post along the border. Right. Enemy does anything, two, two bullets come, they also fire back two bullets and everybody goes back to their positions. And that is what it does. Any little insult and we get them every day. Uh, the, the, the peripheral parts of the immune system don't wait for any major um, central activity. They take care of these local infections on their own. And uh, we stay healthy. We don't get infections unless the peripheral frontline part of the immune system is overcome. Then when this message reaches the central part, then there is a movement of the whole army, you know, whole battalions are sent off to the periphery and then all the guns come out blazing and uh, then if you can't still cope with it, then you call for more reinforcements and the immune system is designed to multiply the cells and send them out to, to meet each of these foreign agents that come. But in addition to this, the very unique aspect, which is, the, I think, one of the most exquisite experiments of nature, is the ability of the cells of the immune system to recognize these foreign antigens, foreign foreigners. It is so unique that the influenza virus of 2019-2020, whatever immunity you develop, doesn't work against, will not work against influenza which will infect you in 2021 because the virus has been clever enough to change a little bit. So the, its recognition specificity is exquisite. And that is the word for it, exquisite. It doesn't exist in any other system in biology. Right, so the way the immune system recognizes is what gives the immune system that strength. And once it recognizes this foreign antigen, it retains memory for it, even after the disease passes, for long periods of time. And we know, for instance, if you get smallpox once, you never get it again if you survive, because that memory is retained for all of your life. On the other hand, if you get chickenpox when you are young, maybe for 40 years, 50 years, you don't get it again. But when your immune system starts declining with age, Many of you would have had experience that your grandfather had chickenpox when you had it. So, you know, the memory does weigh. And there are others for which we don't know what, what is the memory and we are not able to retain that memory. So the, the body has, the recognition system is, has its limitations, but most of the time it retains a fairly good memory, which is what we exploit in vaccines. So right. instead of getting the infection and then generating this memory, mm. we give an artificially generated product which will generate that immune, that memory. So that's a vaccine. Yeah. So the body will retain that memory. And if you get the actual infection, then this memory will be called recalled and the whole system will then get activated and produce the cells and the antibodies which are required for eliminating that infection. And because the memory is so exquisite for each virus, you have to have a very specific vaccine for each infection. Right? Right. right. So what are the various kinds of vaccines then? Well, the simplest ones are like 
we started with smallpox as the most successful and the oldest one. Mm-hmm. Heat inactivated or formalin inactivated, you just kill the organisms. If you can grow it in large numbers in the lab, and then you mix it with you know something which we call an adjuvant, which is just to boost that immune response, and you give it. So you inactivate the virus and then give it. Yeah. So it hasn't done us any harm. We've had all of all, I had a smallpox vaccine. Nowadays we don't give it, but we have a number of heat inactivated vaccines. Even the polio virus is in fact not even heat inactivated. It's a live virus, but we have a virus which is not infective. It doesn't cause the disease, but is antigenically and structurally similar to the one that causes the disease. Okay. So the memory to that polio also prevents the pathological polio virus. Then so, you have some that it's a toxoid, like the protein that is produced by that bacterium, like tetanus toxoid, right? So there are different types of vaccines, and traditionally these were the vaccines. Right. And how do they work against the virus, basically? How do they do that? So you, you, um, you immunize um, uh, and the body produces an immune response, which is identical to the one it would have if it had mm-hmm. actually got the infection. And then it will produce those memory cells, which will be retained by the body so that when the actual infection takes place, it will look at it and say, oh, here it is and go out and fight the infection because the memory has been retained. So it would give, sort of stimulate uh, a lower degree of the illness? Is that how it would? No, uh, not, necess- no, not necessarily. Actually, actually, they don't generate any illness at all. Most of the viruses that we have, the vaccine itself may cause a little local, you know, itching, burning, mild fever, because you have an adjuvant, which is a foreign protein, which are just mild reactions, inflammatory reactions. But the, mm. the, the virus, the vaccine itself never, very rarely causes. If it did, you wouldn't put it in the market. Because right. you're going to give it to millions and millions of people, right? Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't put it in the market. So part of the development is to, to find something which doesn't cause an illness. Yeah, that, that gives a, you know, uh, it's a nice segue to talk about what are the steps involved in developing a vaccine? So initially, of course, you have to find, um, when it was the older vaccine, when they were just heat inactivated or formally inactivated, it had the whole organism there right but uh, uh, basically now of course science is advanced we know you know molecular biology is advanced so we know the structure of these organisms and as you as, since we do not want to have side effects we are trying to find more specific vaccines which will be only that part of the virus which induces this protective immunity Okay. So you have to isolate the virus, you have to or they learn to culture it, do the molecular biology, learn or identify the part of the virus which actually produces immunity. In this case, what we are trying to find out is the knob proteins of the COVID virus. Right. And then, you know, make that into a vaccine. So once you have identified that product, then in vitro in the lab, you have to make sure that it neutralizes the virus, doesn't allow it to multiply in cell cultures, whatever 
And then you give it, if you have an animal model, then you give it to the animals. You put mm -hmm. in the virus, which is what the Oxford group has done with monkeys. They have shown effectiveness of the, their vaccine in monkeys. Right. So once you know that in a sense it is working and doing its job, then of neutralizing the virus, then you have to go through the various steps of human trials. So the first step is what we call phase one, where we just give it to a few volunteers right. to understand exactly the question that you asked. Does it cause any disease or does it cause any reaction or is it, right. you know, are we, are we, can we tolerate this injection? Right. So um, it's a little difficult because they're healthy people. And so you have to really be ethically very, very clear and get consent and, you know, because you're injecting normal people with this thing and you know you don't know what the reaction is going to be right once that is cleared then you do a phase two which is to give it to two groups of people uh the phase one and phase two for vaccines are often done together to, okay. to accelerate the process in a disease you do phase one a phase two with a control group which doesn't get the the drug and the disease group gets a drug and you have parameters. Right. But in vaccine, you can't do that because uh, the disease does, you can't inject people with the disease. You have Correct. to get infected, right? So it's a little difficult. Phase two is a little bit more complicated. But once you have done the phase one and phase two, you have to do the phase three. And that is efficacy. So now, how long does it take between phase one, two and three? It, well, in the traditional sense, we were talking in terms of three to five years. Right. Yeah, it's three to five years. So the, the phase three actually has to be in very large numbers of people. Those studies are done in tens Ten? and thousands of people. Yeah, that's what I thought, like 10, yeah. 10 yeah. 50,000 or whatever numbers I like that, right? That because it, it partly depends upon the frequency of the infection. So like when I was involved partly in a leprosy trial, Okay. Now, already leprosy was a very low incidence disease. Mm -hmm. So your, your vaccinated group versus the unvaccinated, you wanted to show that it actually prevents leprosy. There should be enough episodes of leprosy. So right. we needed to do 10,000 people to have enough people with leprosy because the disease itself is not so common. Whereas here, of course, we have, I guess, in high infection places, COVID is sufficiently adequate. For instance, let's talk in Wuhan. Hmm. Uh, the, the vaccine that China has come up, up with, they don't have, it's a, it's a heat inactivated vaccine, like the Indian vaccine. They don't have enough infected people. So they are going to do it in Brazil. I think they've just started their trial this week in Brazil because Brazil is having a lot of cases. Right. So you need to have enough cases to show that it is working. So altogether it takes you know, it normally takes three to five years with all the regulatory controls and everything else. So when people talk about three months and six months, it does, <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, people are a little skeptical. At least the scientific community, I think, is a little skeptical whether it will be that easy. Right. So, so given the, you know, the various stages of development, what are the, you know, possible problems faced in the during the development you know could there be unexpected side effects what are the issues related to safety you know some of them you like you mentioned in passing but uh, uh, like like a reaction local reaction on the on the 
surface or the body and so on. But I'm, you know, there would be. Uh, well, the uh, first one is, um, I think people are now talking about uh, other approaches to the vaccine, like a DNA and an RNA vaccine. Right. The DNA vaccine is actually um, taking a bit the, the, the important part of the gene of the, of the virus and putting it into a totally different virus. Right. You know, non-pathogenic virus, which is what the Oxford vaccine is. So the, the other virus is only a carrier of the, of the important part of the COVID. So it's a carrier. But we right. have, and the, the, um, the American one, the Boston vaccine is an RNA vaccine, which is part, a little bit of the RNA itself. Now, these are vaccines which have not been approved by anybody so far for anything. Right. right. So the approval process itself, I mean, under normal circumstances, I would think that, I would have guessed that FDA would take just a year or two for the paperwork and getting the approvals. Right. So when people talk about this accelerated thing, one has concerns about safety. Right, right. going to go out and give it to millions. Especially if there is like the, the whole category has never been approved, right? Exactly. So we are going to give it to millions of people. There have been a few historical incidents when a vaccine has been deployed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they've had to withdraw it because there have been some adverse events. Um, so I think... Um, Besides, and, and we don't know if one dose will be effective. Will we need to give two doses. These are things we can't do in monkeys or in, in experimental models. You'll have to do it in humans. Yeah, so, you know, uh, talking of mRNA vaccines, I mean, they have not been effective even against the influenza virus. Uh, I know, like, like recently there has been news uh, uh, that, that uh, they gave it to 45. I think it came out yesterday, right, in uh, Journal of New England Medicine, that uh, they gave it to 45 people and the mRNA vaccine is working and so on and so forth. But, you know, uh, for so long, even influenza, it's not been like, uh, you know, new strains keep coming up and you referred to that. Uh, so would they be uh, effective, uh, mRNA, especially mRNA vaccines? We don't know. We don't know. So this is all part of that learning curve. It's, it's all new and... Uh, the disease is new, its immunology is new, it's understanding every day we are learning new things. And so I think it's, a lot of it is, you know, learning on the job, literally. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you're saying that like, you know, there have been cases while, while they have uh, tried it well there during the testing period. I mean, uh, not too long ago, maybe about a decade ago, GSK in Europe had a pa very interesting name, Pandemics and for influenza pandemic. And uh, there was a you know, cr chronic sleep disorder which was created by this uh, vaccine and then, then they had to pull it back, right? So, 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 so like, so uh, if, if, if you do these things within uh, 12 to 18 months and so on, so, uh, I mean, we understand the, the, the urgency. I mean, all of us want it, right? But, uh, I think the safety is very important. So I don't know. I hope that um, well, the political pressures that we are seeing around the world uh, don't uh, coerce, um, you know, um, compromise on the quality because mm -hmm. that would be really, really unfortunate. Right. And they have to test it against various age groups also, right? I mean, there was one uh, vaccine which was uh, pretty effective about, uh, for everybody, except that like uh, when it was tried in infants, 
Uh, yeah, infants have a less mature immune system, which is yeah. why some vaccines are given at three months and some are given at three years, you know, so those things are there. I mean, it's, uh, the trial has to be, has to be very, very comprehensive. Yeah. Right. So, so moving on, there's also now, I mean, in, in India, a lot of news about uh, the plasma therapy. So, okay. Uh, question yeah. is like, like, you know, uh, some of those who recovered from this have got it again. So they didn't have built enough immunity themselves. So how much immunity can they pass it on to some people? So, so how effective is this treatment that people are talking about? And uh, there was this news item in, in, in India that like people are going and collecting plasma and then, you know, treating, uh, going to the doctor and treating, getting treated. I think in the US there has been some, some smaller trials. Okay. Um, most of these, have come to the conclusion that those who go into the ICU and have very severe disease, the severity of the disease is less, which is mm -hmm. understandable because you're giving them preformed antibodies. So mm -hmm. you don't have to wait. The immune, the immune system takes anything from seven to 14 days to make your own antibodies, right? So that lag phase is taken care of. So you already have antibodies that somebody else has made. So it right. will neutralize the virus so it will decrease the viral load and therefore it has some benefits in the clinical uh, outcome or the clinical course of disease it's not that i mean it's not something you can give it to normal people or it's just you know but on the other hand experience of over the last three months of cases in the icu management itself is undergoing drastic change people are understanding the disease a lot more not as many people are needing ventilators as they did because in the early days it was just panic everybody was going into the ventilator now people are monitoring oxygen levels much better they are given just external oxygen support it's only the oxygen that needs to be supported in fact when you put them on ventilators some people don't do so well mm. so management itself is changing i think um, i don't know whether whether again this plasma bank and cutting red tape is just all part of this you know the, the optics of management that leadership <laughs> has to provide for the constant new cycle because you know there is fear in the community and they have this responsibility of you know looking as though they are they are in control of the situation so i don't think it's it's a big kind of a panacea mm -hmm. a bit yeah, it might help a few people but it's, it's right so an another uh, kind of treatment uh, was you know uh, talked about in, 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 in Singapore, um, this is monoclonal antibody treatment. Uh, Singapore's Duke NUS Medical School reportedly worked on this and uh, they were to begin safety trials, I think last month and uh, then on COVID-19 patients uh, later. So how does this one work? How different it is from, from the so ones that So instead of taking the antibody from a person who's been infected, mm -hmm. you construct the antibody in vitro, right? So okay. it's, a, it's like the antibodies that we take for breast cancer, which are directed against the, you know, the, 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 the um, structures on the cancer cell. Similarly, these are antibodies which out of all the antibodies, in a person who gets infected, there are thousands of types of antibodies. Right. So you select the most efficient one for binding, the tightest binders uh, by technology. 
and then you in reproduce that antibody in <coughs> huge vats and produce liters of that antibody. So it's, 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 a, it's a replacement of a sort for the plasma therapy, except right. that you don't have to wait for a person to be infected. And so then you, you can inject them. We are using it in so many cancers. We are using it in rheumatoid arthritis. All kinds of monoclonal antibodies are being used. Uh, it hasn't been used so much in infectious diseases, but you know, this is an opportunity to try it out. It right. works, it's good, but again, it's only to you know, decrease the viral load and you can't give it prophylactically. Yeah, yeah. So in fact, uh, so, you know, there was also news that uh, they had tested out uh, the South American animal llama and uh, and they found some antibodies from its body. So will this fall into that category that they would take yeah, it out? and? Yeah, yeah, they're same category, except that, you know, the thing is that some animals have easier types of antibodies to reproduce, their structure is different. Hmm. Um, it's all technology. I mean, it's just what is technically feasible and yeah, like, mm. I, can, I can charge my laptop, <laughs> it seems. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Not a just, problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not a problem. So, yeah. So, so we get that. So, so, so that's the monoclonal antibodies treatment and it is not uh, a substitute for vaccines because that could, could be given to people in advance and then we could. Uh... It's not, it's not to prevent, it's only to treat people who get infected. Right, 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 right. So, so yeah, the then. Drug, in the absence of a drug, it's a, it would be a very useful part of the treatment, right? Because we mm -hmm. don't have, have an antiviral, which is really effective. Right. So now, you know, that brings us back to the uh, topic of uh, vaccine development around the world. Uh, you know, th there's been news from India, from ICMR and Bharat Biotech, uh, Covaxin, uh, and, you know, that they would have something by middle of August uh, or probably like like a one month from now. That was a news item. And, you know, we talked about uh, uh, just now about the various steps and challenges and so on. Um, so where do you think are these, these prospects? And on the other hand, we have other people talking about that they are entering phase, they're cross phase two, they're doing phase three and so on and so forth. Um, you know, yeah, we'll all be happy if, you know, India, Singapore, uh, America, you know, who, you know, to, 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 to see it like a Olympic race. But realistically, where are, where are these people? Where, where do you think are the prospective ones? Well, as a, the Indian vaccine, you have already seen that there's been a lot of subsequent announcements and step backs and cautions. Mm -hmm. and because obviously they did jump the gun a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, there is a vaccine. It is, I think, in phase two. I don't think it has even gone. I mean, phase three is just going to start or is in the process of starting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even after infection, it takes four, four five days, six days for symptoms to to come and how many people they will recruit. And then, so it's not, I mean, frequently you scale up. These companies, um, both Serum Institute in Pune and Bharat right. Biotech, do claim that they have kept their uh, production capacities all ready to go into manufacturing any minute. The moment right. there is a licensed vaccine, they can, you know, put out large volumes. 
which is good to hear. And I think even in the US, Bill Gates and a whole lot of these people have invested money in, in setting up facilities for production. Right. Um, but as I said, all of them have, you know, are all in that phase of two, two, three. Uh, the U.S. seems to be clear that whatever the, the $14 billion Donald Trump big, it's got a very strange name, that whole thing that is going to uh, money which they have put into the vaccine thing. Right. Uh, they've been very clear that that will be for Americans. Right. Uh, the global Gavi, the global alliance uh, against the vaccine innovations, they, that is a global in, innovation uh, initiative. So all the Oxford and biotech, all these come under that. Right. So the vaccine will be available to everybody. But, um, you know, I don't think it's, it's like tomorrow. It's, it is going to take time. Six. I mean, right. I would say maybe maybe next year, middle, early next year. Maybe right. Next year. So it's 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 not only phase three, right? After that, we have to we know by by the end of it or pretty close to that, we should know whether one dose is effective or two doses to be effective. Then there's about transportation, cold exactly. chain. Exactly, and if it is an RNA vaccine, um, you know what is the adjuvant you're going to use and um, transportation. Right. And, uh, yeah, cost. Exactly, right? <laughs> you haven't even come to pricing, right? Yeah. Manufacturing to scale, at least now people have said that like they have kept their capacities ready and Bill Gates and all are saying that we will yeah. invest in half a dozen. But cost and price? Yeah, the, the, all the economies are, are, are tanking and they have, you know, so uh, by, the, by next year, the money to buy it free or buy it from. So it, 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 there are lots of questions. Besides, of course, the, the ethical ones uh, and besides other issues, that um, invest in the Western world, we may be a little bit more compliant in the mm -hmm. US and Europe. In the US, there is a, a survey which says 30% of people will not take the vaccine, even if it is available. Because vaccine denial is a big, big problem in the Western world. So mm -hmm. if 30% don't take it, it's like 30% not wearing masks, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, <laughs> so it's the opposite of herd immunity. This is uh, <laughs> the herd is passing on to everybody, right? I don't know. So <laughs> every day throws up very interesting issues. Um, so, so what would be your uh, message for uh, those anti-vaxxers now that, you know, uh, everyone has seen the uh, COVID effect? What would you tell them that like, like, you know, why, what would be the couple of reasons why they should rethink their, their, their stand on the, on, on well, that's, a, that's a debate which is difficult to win. It is a debate which is difficult to win. You mm -hmm. will be surprised at how educated and how well-informed people are vaccine denying. Mm. So, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's like uh, the, the, them saying that if I wear a mask, I can't breathe God's oxygen. I mean, what do you do? You can't, logic is not what you can meet them with. So, I, I mean, I don't think my message, I mean, the whole people have been giving messages, which is very ironic because, you know, uh, in Pakistan, some uh, 50 children have got, get polio because the mothers or fathers refuse to vaccinate them. The whole world goes hoo-ha over it. But 30% of educated people don't take vaccine, then people seem to accept it. That's the way the world is. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 brings me to 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 another point that that, that, that you know 
you have spent your professional career studying immunology uh, you worked on where you know relating to to vaccines and so on so uh, viruses so what is one thing that you believed was true and later on found out that it was not i mean it can be related to immunology virology or or, or you know I, I i leave it to you but what is the one thing that you believed was true and now uh, or later on found out that it was not true i thought about this i think science has been pretty robust uh, not many i mean hardcore science has been disproved as such really mm -hmm. um, i think that maybe some of the early enthusiasm that uh, you know we could conquer a lot of these diseases um uh, and science has all the answers i think generally we have to be more humble and and accept that we are still a long way from that state and right. and uh, yeah and covid certainly has reinforced that right and i think the world has to be prepared that this is not going to be the last of these things so science and it is unfortunate that uh, where where science is providing answers has been consistently developing and trying to keep pace with the problems uh, issue health issues of of the people the anti science community is getting stronger as well Right. so you know and that is something that is really disturbing to me that right. that is something that i thought science you know there were all these enthusiastic groups in kerala and andhra and people moving in the periphery and thinking that you know the poor and illiterate people they don't they believe in jadu and uh, the mistake mm. and we must educate them and teach them science and i i i i participated in some and wrote some pamphlets for some of them Way back, long ago, and one earlier years, we thought that scientific temper would spread with right. education, right. and actually, that has not happened. Right. There's no correlation between ignorance and and believing in I don't know what. You know. So, right. Right, yeah. right, but but uh, you know it's very interesting the way you've uh, uh, talked about two aspects. One is the how uh, natural ecosystem, natural systems have humbled us when we felt that like you know, like in engineering and technology, you know, when we can reach the, to the moon, to the Mars, and so on, where we have things under our control. Whereas in natural ecosystems, it's all uncertainty is the name of the game. and also you also connected it back to the thing that like human beings are also unpredictable we think that like we educate they'll be better off and then we are finding the reverse effect right Absolutely. so so natural things natural ecosystem as well as human beings are the more uh, unpredictable and less controllable compared to absolutely, engineering absolutely absolutely and i think that uh, you were earlier saying about how things will go back to just the way they were um economically and otherwise whatever happens if we do not learn something about global warming and the environment out of this uh, this whole episode of 2020 right that will be really unfortunate like is there a way we can build our immunity from what are promoted as uh, immunity boosters to protect ourselves from covid-19 is is that uh, possible Yeah, Doctor Nike. Yeah, so um, 
I think one issue that has, um, um, it's always been there and uh, got a new life is this whole issue of boosting one's immunity. Um, I'm sorry, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a hardcore scientist, so I'm very, not very susceptible to these kinds of advertisements. But the thing is that the immune system is there, right? And whenever an external agent comes, it meets it and it deals with it. Now, the question is that whatever you do, it, you can't make it, I mean, it's 100%, you can't make it 120%. You don't need anything. If you're healthy, you're eating normal, um, and you're just an ordinary person, your immune system is good and ticking and working, right? Your heart works for you, your lungs work for you. If you abuse it, then of course, it, it um, uh, has its side effects. And the same thing is for the immune system. Chronic smoking, um, too much of cholesterol, um, bad diet, all of these also affect the immune system and therefore the immune system may not be up to mark. But it's not that you eat a lot and uh, don't do any exercise, but eat an immune booster and your immune system will be wonderful. I don't think it works that way. You have to keep your body healthy and then the immune system is there. And if you just take boosters, it's, it's, it cannot be excessive because if you need X amount to fight a virus, you have that X amount. So having the double X is not going to, it, it doesn't become double X, right? It's, it's what it is. So it's, it's, a, it's a trend. It has become um, a little bit of a fashion thing. Uh, it's like a lot of other things that, you know, you don't eat this, you eat high fat diet, you fast for 16 hours. I don't know, everything seems to be a trend these days. But I think if everything is in moderation, you will be healthy and uh, you don't really need to do anything special. So, so if people can, uh, but, but leading a healthy lifestyle with uh, good nutrients is, is important. What you're saying is yes, you yes. don't need to have supplements, so it, uh, yes, a healthy diet. Yes, the immune system does, uh, whenever it is low, then you have a problem. That is if you're taking some types of drugs, if you're on, a, and, you know, Many, many of the drugs do have effect on the immune system um, and stress. There, is, there are enough studies to show that uh, constant stress and psychological stress does have its effect on the immune system. Uh, so yes, so physical and mental health is important, but then that's important for everything. It's like for every other system. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Yeah. Grateful to you, Dr. Nayak, for sharing your insights today on vaccines, how they are developed, and the new therapies for fighting COVID-19. My thanks to my friend and producer of the show, Mrigank Oja. I'm your host, Venkat. And listeners, viewers, please do not forget to subscribe to Move Conversations on YouTube channel. Uh, we will be bringing to you more such uh, interviews in the days and weeks to come. Thank you very much.